live from WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Monday, January 1st, 2022. Tonight on WNUR News, a look at this year's Dolphin Show, finally in person, Jamie Lynn Spears' new book, and an update on our Floratica story from last quarter, as well as a rerun of our banana bread story. Those stories and more coming up now on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday evening. Dolphin Show put on their first in-person performance since 2019 last weekend. Reporter Trevor Duggins talked to the cast and crew of Merrily We Roll Along to learn more. And remember that masks are required during the duration of the performance. Thank you again for your support of the 79th Annual Dolphin Show. We hope you enjoy our production of Merrily We Roll Along. The Northwestern Dolphin Show is an annual student-run production with a rich history. Since 1939, Northwestern has put together productions of classic musicals every year, all performed, directed, and managed by students. Although, for two consecutive years, when the COVID-19 pandemic stopped all student theater, Dolphin Show had to continue virtually in 2019 and 2020. This year, students prepared Merrily We Roll Along, a Stephen Sondheim musical from 1981, in the Khan Auditorium for the Dolphin Show's first in-person audience since 2019. We read through tons and tons of shows this year, and we wanted to choose a show, you know, that was challenging for all of the students involved. It's a Sondheim musical, it has very challenging music. The story about Merrily We Roll Along is about these relationships that we make when we're young and the decisions we make moving forward and you know how we can either maintain or let those relationships fall apart. That was Owen Kiley, business producer of this year's production who's been working on The Dolphin Show for the past four years. As business producer, he helped manage marketing, sales, and development for the show and was involved in making the final decision for what was going to be performed. We felt that the story was super universal to Northwestern students and just trying to remind us that the relationships we're making here can continue into the future and the decisions we make in the future will affect those relationships and those friendships. But with the pandemic looming, Preparing for the show turned out to be a major struggle for the cast and crew. To hear more about how COVID affected the show's timeline, I spoke to August Blanco Rosenstein and Ruby Gibson, two of the main cast members who performed in this weekend's musical. After winter break, we were expecting to come back on January 3rd in person and get to put all of our scenes up on their feet. And uh, that obviously did not happen when we got back because everything was remote for two weeks. It has been like crunch time for us over the past two weeks because of Wildcat Wellness. We weren't, you know, going home over winter break expecting that we would be losing two weeks of in-person rehearsal. Um, So we had been doing Zoom rehearsals for those two weeks, which it was still really awesome to see everyone, but you know, Zoom rehearsals for like a live theater production are not always super productive. And so a lot of stuff changed when we got into our space 
you know, it's been unconventional. I think I think that goes across the board probably for all theater experiences at Northwestern, at other schools, professionally for the last two years. It's been a theater is just a weird thing to do in a social environment where you can't be near each other. Despite major challenges, the Dolphin Show drove hundreds of Northwestern and Evanston community members to Khan Auditorium this weekend for multiple performances of the Sondheim musical. Many of the cast and crew members attribute the production's success to the very people who made it possible in the first place, the students. I love student theater. I participate in it probably too much, both on the administrative side, so I'm on one of the theater boards, but then also like I'm doing for the Dolphin Show, I perform, and I think that student theater is one of the most magical things that happens at Northwestern. It's, it's just a way for every one of us to learn what goes into a production like there's so many roles on the dolphin show and in student theater in general that I didn't know existed until I got here like I never really knew what a producer did and we have two amazing producers for this show Simran and Owen I honestly can't even like comprehend a quarter of the work that they're doing for the show but knowing that the people that I'm working with are my peers just kind of makes me feel like safe and good about the room that I'm working in. One of the reasons I love The Dolphin Show and one of the reasons I think The Dolphin Show is so special is that we bring together over 160 students. So there's so many students involved with this organization and there's so many opportunities. You know, people can work on finance, people can work on marketing, people can work on sales, but then they can also work on painting and carpentry. Um, and so I think, you know, the fact that it's student powered and student made is very unique and the scale of that is super unique and that it just offers really exciting opportunities for for everyone involved there's camaraderie there's understanding for each other's experiences i think the creative team and the production team who have just been absolute like superheroes with all of the changes that they've made and not to mention all the changes that they've had to prepare for that have never had to have been made the idea of maybe well what if something happens and then we have to move this around or that around and then how do we adjust this i mean they've been doing so much work behind the scenes i think that them being students makes them not take anything for granted understand that it all falls on them and gives them the opportunity to rise up to the challenge which they've totally done for wnur news i'm trevor duggins WNUR News will return after these messages. Stay tuned. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no, that's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison? Why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Keeping your kids safe on the way to school is a bus driver's responsibility. When that driver is behind the wheel, they should be focused. And when you're driving, you should be focused too. Texting while driving on Illinois roads is illegal and deadly. Drive now, text later. You can't do both. This message brought to you by the Illinois Tollway State Police, Department of Transportation, Secretary of State, and AAA. Welcome back to WNUR News. On to arts and entertainment. 
We here at WNUR News are ardent supporters of the hashtag Free Britney movement. It is our honor and our duty to report on any updates, including sister Jamie Lynn Spears' new memoir. Here's reporter Emily Teotonio with the T. Jamie Lynn Spears' new book, Things I Should Have Said, Maybe Should Have Stayed Unsaid. If you haven't been keeping up with the hashtag Free Britney movement, let's catch you up to speed. Britney Spears has been a 13-year conservatorship, where her father, Jamie Spears, had control over her estate and health, and her attorney, Andrew Wallet, managed her finances. Though this was meant to help Britney due to her poor mental health at the time, she ended up being taken advantage of. Britney wrote a letter in the third person depicting her situation. Her children were taken away and she did spin out of control, which any mother would in those circumstances. Though on November 12, 2021, after years of fighting, Judge Brenda Penny dissolved the conservatorship, granting Britney with control over her life. Many would speculate that this would be the end of the story. A happy ending. But the story continues. Jamie Lynn Spears comes out with a memoir, Things I Should Have Said, on January 18th. And to Garner Press, she sat with Juju Chang on ABC's Nightline. There they discussed how in her memoir, Jamie Lynn described Britney as being erratic, paranoid, and spiraling. She then claimed while holding her toddler Ivy, Brittany came at her screaming and getting in her face. She cursed at me and so I just walked out of the room. I was like, uh, we're just all family under one roof. Like, I'm not trying to argue. And when I tried to remove myself from the situation, that's uh, when I guess she just got really angry. And her interviews kept mentioning Brittany, causing her to go off on Instagram because she she was just disappointed by how her sister kept portraying her. And why do I say that? You selfish little brat saying how weird and dumb it was that I bought a house for mama. She was so proud. And you told that interview girl that it was just weird. Like, I guess I will just walk in these halls. Why did you say that? And why watching your at length interview really two hours or more and the topic about the knife, which is ironically the only lie you've ever told in your whole life. Why is that? conversation 20 minutes and the most degrading to me oh but you don't want to keep talking about it because you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings yet you let it linger forever saying you felt unsafe with me and weird this interview wasn't the only thing that garnered controversy the book itself was accused of spreading false information Jamie Lynn accused Britney of threatening her with a knife and Alexa Nicholas her former co-star on Zoe 101 to have been a bully. Both Brittany and Alexa have denied these accusations. Jamie Lynn, congrats, babe. You stooped to a whole new level of low. I've never been around you with a knife or would I ever even think to do such. The only knife I ever saw you with at home was cutting the biggest pieces of squash I've ever seen in my life, and it was way too big for me to cut. So please, please stop with these crazy lies for the Hollywood books. Now and only now do I know only a scum person would make up such a things about someone. I'm actually very confused about you making that up because it's honestly not like you at all. Around the kids, Jamie Lynn, seriously, come on. Congrats on introducing your older sister the concept of getting low, lower, and lowest because you win at that one, babe. Oh, she was not bullied. I, I, like, I was the, I was bullied yeah. relentlessly by her. Many speculate her accusations were to garner more attention for the memoir. Even Brittany was skeptical. The two things that did bother me that my sister said was how 
my behavior was out of control. She was never around me much 15 years ago at that time. So why are they even talking about that unless she wants to sell a book at my expense? Really? If these were or weren't her intentions, we may never know. But the book still received a spot on the national bestsellers list, even through this tense situation. Looking over to oddities... Back in November, Chicago's Garfield Park Conservatory held their annual fundraiser fashion show, Florotica. Reporter Helen Bradshaw sat down with some of the designers to get a behind-the-scenes look. In the fall, Garfield Park Conservatory put on an unforgettable fashion show. Florotica 2021, the conservatory's annual fundraiser, featured outfits made out of plants, in a follow-up to WNUR's Florotica story from November, I spoke with one of the designers, Stephanie Seasonton of Pinky Swear Studio. For her, Florotica was more than just an opportunity to show off amazing florals. It was a celebration of life. Um, but for Florotica, what's really nice is that it's free reign, full creativity. You get to do whatever you want. Uh, you know, very little requirements other than you need to be in the, the workshop by three that day. <laughs> Um, and of course, floral. So for this event specifically, it was dedicated to my friend's mother who passed away in 2020. Um, not, not to COVID, but just in that unfortunate year where they couldn't set up a memorial for them. Um, and so they had to wait almost an entire year to like gather and pee together and, you know, mourn the loss of their mother, their friend, their sister, their daughter, their, you know, aunt, grandmother. My friend had hired me to do her event, to build an ofrenda for her in Detroit. After I did this event for Alma, um, I was really, really moved and touched. And um, I asked if I could continue Alma's memory um, by building her a live action garment uh, altar, ofrenda for the runway. And she was ecstatic and she said yes of course so I wouldn't have done it if she wouldn't have given me the okay obviously because this is something that I really wanted her to experience too to be able to see this type of uh, remembering someone in a different light in a different way that's high energy as well just in a different capacity but even with an idea fleshed out making the garment was a whole other story and I thought it'd be pretty easy, <laughs> to be honest with you. Cause like, so I ordered 200 and for the event in Detroit, I ordered 500. So that's what I based it on. And I still didn't have enough. I had to, um, I had to trim down my design, but it wasn't very much. It was like maybe one, one square foot. Like it wasn't a lot, but I had to edit. <laughs> Obviously, construction is a huge part of the design process. The person, uh, the this art piece is going to be moving constantly. And how is that going to work with life, floral, um, other pieces that are going to be attached to the garment? Um, how is it going to be um, attached to the model that's not going to fall off mid-runway? What is it going to look like? in those runway lights? What is it gonna look like in the dim lights in the conservatory? But in the end, 
Seizenton's model strutted down the runway in a bright marigold cape. According to Seizenton, all the work was worth it to create a living memorial of Alma's life. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was fun though. Like the process itself, like, and, and, and engineering a piece like this and like from beginning into the final and to the very end and you finally see it and you're like, okay, it worked. Like I did it. It's not falling apart. He's not hurt. Um, it looks really great. It's, it's bright and lively and full of energy. And I was, I made it work. For WNUR News, I'm Helen Bradshaw. WNUR News will return after these messages. Stay tuned. What's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at thatsnotcool.com. Thatsnotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that pinata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service. Welcome back to WNUR News at 6. It's 6.21 p.m. And now, a story so nice, we're playing it twice. Banana bread had its moment in quarantine kitchens, but why do overripe bananas continue to make our mouths water? Here's Sarah Cadora with an ode to the luscious loaf. British Vogue declared 2020 the banana bread renaissance of the coronavirus pandemic. As our bananas went spotty after days in quarantine, so did our sanity. And out of the madness came loaves and loaves of dense deliciousness. Ari Sloss is a third year physics and math major. Have you ever made banana bread? A million times, yeah. Really? Is I didn't it- realize it was a, a trend during the pandemic, but I just did it myself because I like banana bread and I always had bananas lying around at the end of the week. So I ended up making like a loaf a week for a good six months. Would you say that you perfected how you like your banana bread? I don't know about perfected because it could probably always be made better, but there's a, a recipe in the Better Homes and Gardens cookbook that my mom always used that I used too, and I've, I've changed it to be better in my opinion. 
I too did my fair share of baking in 2020, and in 2021, and twice so far in 2022. With every new loaf, the comfort food comes closer to my heart. So imagine the bitterness, offense, resentment I felt toward an October 2021 headline from Nexstar MediaWire. Banana bread is so last year. Here's what we're starting to bake instead. Well, Nexstar, keep your peach cobbler, apple crumble, and monkey bread out of my kitchen. The magic of turning a brown banana into a top-tier treat is why it's endured generations. <clears throat> According to the King Arthur Baking Company, banana bread became popular in the early years of the Great Depression. Precious bananas were ripe for the baking once they went brown, and chemical leaveners like baking powder were newly mass-produced. The recent rise of the luscious loaf surely wouldn't have been possible without the internet. A search for banana bread on allrecipes.com produced 6,816 results, including maple banana bread, paleo banana bread, mango banana bread, bangin' banana bread, boozy banana bread, mommy's banana bread, Mother's banana bread, grandma's banana bread, best ever banana bread, low fat banana bread, lower fat banana bread, almost no fat banana bread, and perhaps the internet's favorite. With five stars and 10,033 reviews, Janet's rich banana bread. Thanks, Janet. The adaptability of the dish is undoubtedly a favorite feature. Nixie Straza, editorial director for Northwestern's Spoon University magazine, told me how she makes banana bread work for her. I've been vegan for about six years. I've been vegetarian since I was born. I actually happen to love banana bread. So pretty common, especially for something that's fruit-based, um, like a banana bread, obviously the main flavor profile is fruit. For an egg replacer, I would use applesauce, um, which is super cheap and a really great substitute. So I use that, I use coconut oil or earth balance for butter replacements. The banana is actually a really great, banana is also used as an egg in a lot of vegan baked goods. So it's actually like works out perfectly. So it's actually a really easy thing to make vegan. But wait. I think it's more of a cake. I mean, it has the consistency more of like a lemon pound cake than it does a sourdough. Is banana bread a bread? Yes. So I'm not like totally set on the culinary specifics, but I think it's something that has like less sugar in it than a cake and it's not quite as rich as a cake. And it's something that you can like, make a little more savory by adding spices to it, which is what I like to do. For what it's worth, here's my favorite banana. Might not be a bread recipe. Lauren Allen's Our Favorite Banana Bread on tastesbetterfromscratch.com. I add a cup and a half of chocolate chips when I have them, but the crispy crust and immaculate insides stand alone delectably. On this particular Wednesday night, the three overripe bananas in my kitchen live to see another day, but only because I was producing a radio story in their honor. For WNUR News, I'm Sarah Kadora. In the headlines today, 
Northwestern saw an overall decrease in the number of COVID-19 cases week four from the week prior. However, the positivity rate slightly increased as fewer people took tests. Students can get asymptomatic testing at the Jacobs Center from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekdays, with those displaying symptoms using the northwest side testing entrance between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. on weekdays. A federal judge has rejected a plea agreement that would have averted a hate crime trial for the man convicted of, a murder, of murdering Ahmaud Arbery. Arbery's parents had asked the judge to reject the proposed deal for Travis McMichael. The case will proceed to summon jurors next week. This year's Super Bowl contenders have been decided. The NFL championship game on February 13th will see the Cincinnati Bengals play against the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium in L.A. It marks the second time in a row, and in history, that a team plays the Super Bowl on their home field. The Bengals defeated the Chiefs yesterday in overtime 27-24. After that, the Rams beat the 49ers 20-17. The Super Bowl will kick off on the 13th at 5.30 Central on NBC. Singer and entrepreneur Rihanna is pregnant, as confirmed by photos that surfaced online this weekend. She and her partner, rapper ASAP Rocky, have been together for an unspecified amount of time but officially announced their relationship in 2020. When asked in a 2021 interview about fatherhood, Rocky stated that, quote, I would have a very fly child, very, unquote. Hopefully he gets his wish. The White House says President Biden will meet with Senate Judiciary leaders on Thursday to discuss the upcoming Supreme Court vacancy, as well as Biden's promise to nominate a black woman to the high court. Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin and ranking minority member Chuck Grassley will meet with Biden to discuss potential nominees to replace Justice Stephen Breyer, who announced his retirement last week. And the New York Times has purchased Wordle. The sale, announced this afternoon, reflects the publication's emphasis on games to increase digital subscriptions to 10 million by 2025. Wordle was purchased from creator Josh Wardle for a price, quote, in the low seven figures, unquote. The New York Times said the game will initially remain free to new and existing players. Taking a look at the weather, right now it's a balmy 33 degrees with partly sunny skies. Tonight you can expect clouds with a low around 29 degrees and breezes up to 30 miles per hour. A small craft advisory is in effect from 6 p.m. Central Time until 12 p.m. Central Time tomorrow, so, so stay safe out there. Tuesday and Wednesday, you can expect precipitation with a 40% chance of rain Tuesday afternoon and an 80% chance of snow on Wednesday. Temperatures will range throughout the 20s. Snow chances decrease through Thursday night and heading into the weekend. Look for sunny and partly sunny skies with highs in the 20s and lows reaching into the 10s and even single digits. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on our new website, WNUR.news. Our producer today is Zach McCrary. Our reporters are Trevor Duggins, Emily Teotino, Helen Bradshaw, and Sarah Cadora. I'm Allison Rout. From all of us here at WNUR News, thank you for listening. Catch our next show this Wednesday, February 2nd at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.